0: Hey everyone, welcome to Darkcast Interviews. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. DCI is a long form interview podcast where we talk to game creators about who they are and their work behind the scenes, as well as obviously their recent or upcoming video games. In this episode, I talk with some of the team at Tactical Adventures and got an eyes on demo of Solasta Crown of the Magister, a turn based RPG attempting to replicate that classic tabletop RPG feel. So I highly recommend watching this on YouTube, as you can see gameplay footage that is being narrated throughout the podcast. This episode is actually coming out much later than I intended it to, and honestly it's, it's because I've found it very difficult to, to work with everything that's been going on in the world. Video games seem very superfluous uh, in light of people being murdered at the hands of our police. And I'm sorry to bring things down so early in the podcast, but in light of this, I do want to take a moment of silence, specifically for Mr. Arbery, Ms. Taylor, and Mr. Floyd. Thank you for for taking that moment with me. Um, Normally I would talk about all the other stuff that you can find, links and show notes and all that stuff, but I'm not going to do that here. Uh, I just want to thank you for listening so much. Um, I hope that the rest of the show provides a nice uh, distraction from from our world, um, that you can get some joy out of it. So thank you for listening, and now on with the show.
1: Tactical Adventures team, Matthew Girard, who is Hello. the creative director and founder of Tactical Adventures. Um, then we have Pierre Worgage, who is the marketing director of um, Tactical Adventures, and Emil Zhang, who is the, <laughs> the community lead.
2: So Tactical Adventure it's a new studio, uh, new but actually staffed with very experienced and talented people. We're a small team of 17 people, uh, and we're doing this uh, very cool uh, tactical RPG called Solastak, Crown of the Magister. Uh, we did a Kickstarter in last September. Uh, very cool, very successful. We had, we had uh, 6,000 people uh, supporting the game and actually becoming owners of the game. Um, and uh, lots of cool feedbacks. Obviously, we've been working since then, going into full production, uh, one also very important element is that we are big fans about uh, of uh, RPGs, tabletop, uh, and uh, also RPG and video games. I don't know about you. Do you play tabletop games on your side?
0: Uh, no, I've not. That's uh, something that my friends in college did a lot, but it, uh, I guess, it was it kind of scared me. It was a little too intense. <laughs> was,
2: so Maybe this uh, is the video game which is going to uh, to make you uh, um, well want to try tabletop RPGs at some point. But, uh, we'll, we'll see about that. Uh, so, yes, it's, it's a strong foundation for us. Uh, we, we have a, a D&D game weekly with uh, some members of the team. Uh, I've killed one of, the, of Emil's characters already. Uh, he's uh, not very happy about that. But anyway, uh, these things happened. And, uh, and so we're really passionate about this project, and what, which I'm going to show to you today. Well, one of the questions that we had, uh, in, uh, earlier, uh, sorry, in, um, Kickstarter was, are you, because we delivered a demo of, uh, one hour, one hour, 30 minutes where you could play four pre-made characters. The question was, are you going to be able to create your own party of characters in the final game? The answer is yes. And this is what we're going to start our demo today. Uh, okay. So, uh, the character builder, it's, it's follows, uh, A flow of selecting race, class, background, lots of stuff, which we're going to see today. Um, Just as a reminder, we're using, we have a a license from Wizard of the Coast to use the Dungeon and Dragons 5th edition rule set. It's called the SRD system reference document. And what it means is that we can use all the the classes, races, magical items, monsters, spells, uh, from D&D, but not the full universe like with the heroes, etc. So it's great because it allows us to have all the game mechanics that people are familiar with and love. And uh, and then on top of that, we are adding our own content because in Solasta, we've created our own universe, which is called Solasta. Uh, and we have our own specific sub-races, sub-classes, etc. So in this um, screen that you see, you can select a race, some of these sub-races, like the snow dwarf or the island Halflings, are actually homebrew. I don't know if in in on um, video games in RPG in fantasy, w- which race you usually prefer to play? Do you like dwarves, elves, human, halfling? Um,
0: I I usually go with drow or dark elves uh, whenever the, the opportunity okay. presents it's itself. Not part <laughs>
2: of the rule sets, but we can have uh, uh, we can have we have uh, high elf or Sylvan elf. So high elf is the official from. Uh, Visit the coast, and Sylvan F is our homebrew version.
0: Okay, so what, what it what makes the uh the Sylvan Elf special? So uh, they are um
2: they are more uh, adaptive at uh, sorry they're proficient with survival and, and athletics because um, they have also advantage on all the roles on survival because uh, they've been trained in the forest so they they're used. To, uh, well, to surviving in these elements. Uh, they have also a bonus of wisdom, while the, the higher healths have a, a bonus on intelligence. So it's different um, bonuses that you have, which allow you also to make um, a character more fit to a special class because uh, clerics will want to have more wisdom. Uh, wizards will want to have more intelligence. So in a way, you can create cool combinations between race and class with this, uh, this type of system. Um, During the Kickstarter, we had four core classes, Cleric, Fighter, Rogue, and Wizard, for four classes. And then uh, we asked the community to prioritize which classes to add next. So we had the Ranger and the Paladin. You can uh, check at higher levels which features you're going to unlock when you gain experience. Uh, Also, you can check the equipment, because again, in 5th edition, you can customize the basic equipment that the character is going to get, which weapons, armors, etc. So, which one do you prefer to play? Do you want to play a, a cleric uh, fighting for his divinity, a fighter, a paladin, a ranger more adapted to uh, to uh, woodlands and survival, uh, a rogue, a wizard? Uh, I'm going to say ranger. It's a good choice, especially as you're going to need the wisdom uh, for the spells that the ranger can cast at level 2. So let's move on with that, you can also select for the ranger, sorry. Uh, You can select a preferred environment or a favored enemy, which is going to grant you some bonuses uh, when you travel or when you fight those enemies. And you gain more more of those uh, later on in the game. So
0: does that create kind of, if you're in a particular environment, does that give you kind of a, I guess, home court advantage, as it were, or give you... I guess, additional damage or intimidation or whatever the case may be for particular enemies? Is that how that works? So For,
2: for the, the, the favorite enemies, is going to mm-hmm. grant you more damage okay. the more, as you know, this type of creature. Mm-hmm. So for, for, uh, for uh, dragons, the more you know a certain type of dragon, the, the more damage you're going to do to it. Okay. And, uh, and for the environment, um, it's, uh, I mean, uh, the, the advantage is that while traveling, you would be more efficient at gathering food by keeping your party away from uh, uh, wandering monsters, etc. So okay. we try to have features um, in the when you create characters which affect all the compartments of the game in various ways. So obviously the ranger is good for travelling and, and facing certain, type, certain types of monsters. Okay. Uh, and then we're going to pick a background, so which brings you several things, obviously a backstory, and then you, you're going to have a, a side quest uh, for each of the characters, uh, with with uh, its its background, his or her background. The thing also in in this game, which I I did not uh, point enough clearly, is that you not only create one character, one main character, and then henchmen join you. The goal of the game is to play a party of four characters. So when you start the game, you create four of them, and obviously what you have to do is to combine different powers, ability, specialties, etc. So. Again, with different backgrounds, you will have different stories for each of the characters, which is very cool. Background also brings special uh, abilities and features, much like class and race. And finally, each background, as well as the alignment, uh, offers personality flags, meaning that by selecting uh, here for the aristocrat, you can check lawfulness, authority. uh, And then when you select an alignment like lawful good, lawful neutral, it happens also personality flags and the combination of these four choices that you make at the bottom left is in a form of a tag cloud actually um, well it defines how your character this character is going to react during the narration the cutscene the interaction with the NPC so uh, rather than having uh, just a binary alignment system we uh, we have enriched that with uh, a deeper customization of the personality of the character so what it this means is that with a in this case a very formal character, uh, is going to speak uh, during scene is, in a more formal, educated way, uh, as opposed to a, a low-life uh, rogue, for example. Mm-hmm. And also, he will have special branches in the dialogues uh, to have sub-options, to have different choices when interacting with the NPCs. For each dialogue, we don't have uh, 20 possibilities. It's uh, we, we have dispatch in the narration places where uh, being... Uh, 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 sorry, is cynical mm-hmm. uh, will give you a special branch at that point. So, and obviously, when you play the campaign with this type of character, you're going to see the option appear. And then if you play with a different party of characters, you will have other options uh, appearing in other instances. So the, the the goal is that to give the ability for the player to have a different experience while playing the game a second time.
0: Okay. How much of that is uh, drastically changing the dialogue and how much of it is kind of... I guess, flavor text, as it were.
2: I don't have the exact numbers because it's uh, Xavier, our, um, our gameplay director, who is uh, handling the, the writers. I would say that for the the, the form of address variations uh, for each dialogue, there's about two. So sometimes you have a normal, formal, or normal, or a, a vulgar. Uh, and then also you have the branches, and we try to dispatch all the specific stuff, you can say, uh, we try to dispatch that. I don't know, maybe twenty percent of the dialogues. So twenty. It's hard to, to give a, a an accurate figure, but and also uh, we cannot have so many options. Because we're a small studio, but right, we right, try right. to make the backgrounds meaningful uh, and to to use these personality flags to create um, a, well a variety in what you can see in the game. Okay. Okay, uh, moving on to uh, Ability Scores, so it's a classical in RPGs, Uh, you have several options to roll your uh, strength, dexterity, etc. I prefer to roll dice, so I've been uh, playing uh, games where I rolled for hours until I had the perfect score. (laughs) That's an option you can have. If you prefer, you can have a a point by system, so you use... um, a capital of points, and then you increase ability scores, and you can spend some points. And also, if you have your favorite uh, tabletop character, well, you can use the free edition, which allows you basically to cheat, but also <laughs> to exactly define the strength, uh, dexterity, consistent score of your character. If you want to cheat all the way, yes, you can do it, uh, because, it, well, it's, it's the, the user's game. So he paid for it, so he can do whatever he wants. But anyway, um, I guess most people will be honest about that, and then uh, and do like me and re-roll 30 times until they get the best score. And then you can drag and drop the value to determine which is going to be your strength, constitution, uh, and if you are also lazy, uh, you can just click optimize, and it's going to uh, do it for you.
0: I like that. I spend way too much time on those screens, and I always feel like I made the wrong choice. So. Uh, There's a lot
2: of uh, places here where you can automate the stuff. For example, in the prof- proficiency screen, uh, this is where you select which skills you're going to be proficient with, uh, which um, which tools, weapons, etc. And you have auto choices if you if you feel uh, lazy or if you not don't know what to, what to do. So the skills define your special uh, abilities uh, at uh, Uh, Perceiving enemies, uh, remembering arcana, lore on on a special spell or lots of stuff. And and based on your race, your class, you have specific uh, skills you can choose from or or become experts. Uh, So lots of uh, possibilities to customize your character. You can even for some uh, races choose languages so that if you pick orcish as a language and you meet orc guards, uh, maybe uh, you can uh, negotiate with them and avoid a fight. Uh, in, uh, and instead uh, speak to that. Okay. Uh, okay, and then finally, uh, you can choose uh, your identity. So this is where you're going to configure your avatar. So you have several choices uh, for faces. So the if you pick dwarves, you can get beards and lots of uh, cool, uh, cool options. We have different origins for human, et cetera. So there's already a very good number of options. And also what is very cool is that as you're creating a party of four characters, you can fully customize four characters with different races, classes, etc. The, the big difficulty we have uh, with this game is that as you allow the user to create a, a completely random party of four characters, it's very hard for us, very hard to, to tell a story because we don't know who's going to be what, is there a wizard, a cleric, or not. Uh, so basically the game is checking the personality flags, Adapting to the skills of the users to select how we're going to introduce the characters So you are in the principality of Masgoth, So a thousand years after the cataclysm and some bad stuff is um, Is uh, stirring in the badlands. So the the former Eldon Empire has become a, a very uh, chaotic and destroyed area and then uh, a valiant group of adventurers is drafted to uh, investigate on orders of the council so the, the way we wanted to introduce the story was that while well, the team is formed, you have your party, and then we're going to uh, tell a story of each of the characters to in some kind of origin story to tell you how they came to, to come to this place. Uh, also it's it's a good way to introduce the, the core mechanics of the gameplay. So in this first introduction, again we've tried to avoid um, uh, a boring tutorial where you should create or kill rats, so you've been captured. <laughs> Uh, in, a, in, a, in a strange mine like bandits by a strange prison sorry and the goal is to escape first of all by navigating using the camera you can get loot and and uh, equip this torch for example. Uh, lighting is a pretty uh, important feature of the game uh, dynamic lighting because obviously it's going to light your surrounding you can go into very dark and mysterious places and also it's going to give you uh, well if you have no light in combat and you don't have dark vision like an elf or a dwarf um well you're going to have disadvantage at attacking the enemies uh, on the opposite some enemies are sensitive to light so can be afraid uh, of your light sources and also can be damaged even in some cases by the light so it's it's a really uh, a very important component of the game as well as verticality uh, as you can see, there's lots of places you can climb and jump, even interact with the environment. And um, it, under the hood of the game engine, we simulate uh, a 3D world, a cubicle world, somehow, like, uh, uh, like Minecraft. Uh, and this allows to have lots of very cool options, like uh, climbing, jumping, flying around, levitating. You can interact with, uh, with objects to change the, uh, the environment. And and for us, really, it's it's a very cool way to introduce new level design situations, new interesting stuff, and also leveraging all the power of the, the fifth edition ah! rule set with all the crazy stuff you can do. Okay, uh, the next the next mission is a a combat mission. So again, we don't know what the player is going to select to build his team. So the game has picked that well the strongest. Uh, uh, um, fighter is actually the dwarf fighter in the in the party so he's going to introduce combat to the game so as you can see here on the top left we have an initiative table because the game is turn based and also uh, cell based with the cubes i mentioned before uh each enemy is acting on his turn here the dwarf was ready to uh, to hit any approaching enemy so it's a new feature that we have and also um uh, we're going to see how you can use uh, the 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 environment to your advantage. So this is again a very vertical situation, as you can see this bridge, and you can use the the shove uh, the shove action to push an enemy uh, away and actually uh, well make a quick work of this fight. So again, the idea is to encourage the player to use the environment and not simply uh, fight. Uh, to, uh, to, to, well, to, um, to prevail in more interesting ways. In the next situation, we have uh, an alpha wolf, which is much too dangerous at this level 1 to fight, so we'll have to use um, another uh, possibility and actually use the disengage option, which prevents you from getting an attack of opportunity, but also allows us to use this uh, handily placed boulder, and resolve the situation efficiently. So again, these are very simple situations, but still we want uh, this uh, introduction, this tutorial, to be, uh, well, small stories that the user is going to follow. In that one, the elven wizard fell into a a damp and dark cave. He has to use uh, his magic uh, to light his staff, and now you have a light source around you. You can use uh, your spells as well to uh, light torches on remote, uh, or you can even use area of effect spells like burning hands to clear that, so the, the environment is, is reacting to the spells and the effects you cast, which allows you to have also a cool combination in combat or exploration. You also get to inspect strange totems or statues or ancient tomes and scrolls. And uh which are going to give you lots of information, because one of the goals of this game is to discover the universe of Celasta, again, which we've created ourselves uh and which has lots of secrets to to uncover
0: you mentioned that the uh the battle with the wolves was picked for the dwarf because he was the toughest warrior um, yeah. of the group is this one is this environment picked because the elf is the or the elf is chosen for this environment because of the magic, or is each one kind of customized to uh, he erase? Was or how's that? He was
2: preferred because he has magic, actually, okay. yes. Uh, but the thing is, a player can start a campaign with four halfling fighters. <laughs> and so we'll have to make do and, and adapt with that. So there's no need to get to have a, a wizard or a cleric to play the campaign, but obviously, a combination of uh, different character classes is more fun and more efficient. So, if you uh, again, if you played uh, uh, four elven wizards, well, one of them would have to, to play the, the, battle, uh, uh, the battle situation. Yes. Uh, okay, so we have managed to find a way uh, using stealth to uh, avoid these orcs, and we're going to move to another situation, uh, which I want to show to you, uh, which is the world map. So, in the game, with your party, you're going to navigate different places. So, we start here in Kerkilfen, which is the, the capital of the Principality of Moskoth. There's other duchies and kingdoms around competing for for power, but your real playground is going to be west uh, in this large area, which well, which is the Badlands, which is right now uh, uh, not discovered. So you can see some uh, some map uh, drawings on on the, on the on them. But then you're going to explore uh, lost cities, mysterious citadels, ancient tombs, etc. Our first mission is to, to travel to the, the fortress of KLM uh, which was destroyed, rebuilt but there's no news from the garrison for, for some time so we have to travel them to, uh, well, on the orders of the council to inspect to see what's going on. During the travel you can gather uh, food, uh, crafting ingredients because there's a crafting system as well, you get to sleep, meet some people sometime, uh, camp, uh, craft. And, uh, and also, uh, sometime, from time to time, uh, you're going to have random encounters. Uh, here we're unlucky because we have a random encounter at night, meaning that the whole party is surprised and, and barely awakening from sleep. And uh, we have to face these uh, this bandits. What's uh, interesting is that we have a day-night cycle system, uh, which changes dynamically. And uh, in, if you wait for some time in a location, in a dungeon, you will see that the... The shadows are longer and lower and then night comes or sun rises when you, uh, you wait some more. What's also interesting is that some locations have very uh, dangerous <laughs> undead or creatures which are light sensitive and, uh, and it's, it's a, a better option to, uh, to investigate some locations by day than by night. So when you do exploration you are in real time, there's no uh, turn base, but as soon as the battle begins uh, you go into uh, a turn-based mechanics. Uh, so you can see, again, lots of verticality. We we love this. It's, uh, well, it's been a learning experience to, to create exciting level design and situation, but uh, now that we have the, the engine and the tools, uh, we use it as much as we can. Uh, and in this situation, we're going to fight goblins, so not very strong foes, but still other pests because we're only level two, and they have range attack, and they actually manage to hit. Uh, if uh, for players who want to have all the details on the attack, etc., the hit, the damage, they can check the console on the top right, which clearly explain who is going to do what with, with which with which odds and uh, and etc. Uh, also, another very important part of the game is that you are playing a party. You're not playing a single character. So you're playing different characters, different abilities, which uh, are supposed to be uh, uh, complemented. So for the rogue to do sneak attacks, he must have an ally next to a, a creature so that it's more efficient. Uh, you also have to use the environment, so you have cover point here with these, uh, these uh, blockers and stones. Uh, you, you can climb in combat, you can jump, you can do crazy stuff, uh, because the, it's a very dynamic game where you can use to your advantage the environment. And in the, this uh, final situation, we are inside the fortress, which was somehow rebuilt, so hence all the, the scaffolding. And, uh, well, there's lots of jumping, verticality, and also some monsters using verticality, because these are flying creatures, uh, f- uh, flying snakes. They're not super strong, but they also are pests, because they can attack, uh, uh, well, they, they, they move in places you cannot reach, so you have to use ranged weapons and spells, or maybe climb uh, on some of the props and structures to be able to to attack them. You can also ready an action uh, to uh, hit an enemy when it comes into contact, or an archer can shoot at an enemy when he, he becomes visible for the first time, so that there's lots of possibilities. You can even use ready an action with uh, cantrips, so uh, simple attack spells. <laughs> um, okay, so I guess uh, I've said most of my speech, um, and I will be, uh, of course, glad to answer any questions you have.
0: Uh, how is death handled? I guess first, is it do you pass out in the battle, and then once it's over, you're you're back? Or,
2: well, if you if you um, if you drop uh, to uh, to a dying state, a teammate can uh, can rescue you and stabilize you. If you're really dead, you're dead, uh, and then you will have to use uh, the the well the many possible ways in the game to revive a character by spells. Uh, by some specific factions which can help you, magical items. But the thing is, you started with four characters and you have to complete the game, which is an epic quest of setting the world with these four characters. In Sometimes in some you will get uh, guest NPCs joining the team, but really you're playing a, t- a party of four characters, so these are the ones you have to, uh, to finish the team with. So at some point, if one of them dies, you can still move to another place to try to revive him. Uh, but you will have to get your four characters back on their feet before you can progress on the rest of the game.
3: Okay, this is actually a very interesting point because we've discussed a lot about it. Like um, in D&D, there's a lot of options, such as what is called re-rolling when your character dies. The problem is the narrative kind of suffers a lot if we just allow people to switch switch around the characters in their party because they have no more agency as to, uh, you know, oh, this character knows that character, but that new character, that has joined them after 20 hours of, of story because like the other one died, just suddenly knows everything the other one knew. So it's kind of strange, which is why we, we went with the revival, which is another mechanic in D&D that is uh, very often used for higher level characters.
0: Gotcha. Now, now thinking of that, I mean, um, that sounds kind of interesting where if your character dies, then you, you basically have a new quest set out to figure out a way to revive them and I, I guess it kind of depends on who what factions you're friends with, and what abilities uh, your other party members have, and stuff like that. Uh, but that that kind of brings up the idea of the dungeon master with this, and and everything that I've looked at about the game, uh, and from what you've said today, it, it sounds like we're trying to, you know, create a, a true-to-life digital version of a tabletop um, yes. role-playing game. But there's no dungeon master here that you know is alive and can react to kind of what you're doing the way a a person would. I guess how okay. are, how are you filling in that void, per se?
2: So, Emil, if you want to answer the question, yeah. uh, Sorry. It's, so, it's, yeah,
3: it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, in in that case, it's it's basically saying that yeah, um, that's the reason why, um, of course, tabletop is still very much popular, and that video game hasn't completely overtaking the, the 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 topic here is because on tabletop, creativity is is really like a strong point because, like you said, players can pretty much do anything, and the DM can go oh, well, uh, well, this happens in that case. Of course, in video games, although we would love to have an RPG that is so developed that you could do all you want and still have like situations that are taken into account, um, this is gonna be much harder. Uh, as Mathieu said, the, the fact that we're a smaller team means that, yes, of course, there are gonna be times where you're forced to do something, kind of called railroading, right? You have the story and you will have to do the story because that's the, the campaign, that's the story of this game. So we we are not really having this, this DM uh, as like, you know, it, it's not really like a, a digital DM. And it's more a question of like, you know, quests and scripts and helping the player immerse himself still in the game uh, by not constraining too many of his actions, but still making it able for us to make the game without spreading too thin by adding too many options.
2: But what we're bringing though is the implementing like Almost like ninety five percent of the rule set. Yes.
3: yes and
2: automating it, that for the player so that you can you have reactions, uh, bonus spells, uh special abilities for monsters, uh all of that is computed for you. So it really simplifies uh the the, the use of the rules in the game. Yeah, the gameplay actually... mechanics of the yeah. of the
3: of the game is, is like completely faithful to the tabletop. On that end, that is super easy for you to just jump in and play if you know the, the game.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Um, so you talked about the lighting and how that kind of affects gameplay, it can affect enemies that are weak to light, or it can affect you if you're not, you know, good in in darkness or or whatnot, are there any other sort of elements that react that kind of way? You were talking about being able to use, you know, like fire spells to light things, but uh, I guess does fire interact with other uh, elements of the world, does water interact with the world, is anything like that happening?
2: Okay. Uh, well, obviously, we have uh, around lighting. We have lots of stuff. For example, you can use a darkness spell to extinguish light sources and to make your enemy blind, so to to really deprive him from from its uh, its perceptions. Uh, and then, yes, we have a measure of uh, interactions. Uh, again, we're a small team, so we cannot have a, a fully um, uh, emergent gameplay, but yes, when you cast uh, uh, shockwave spells, it's going to extinguish fires as well. Uh, we, there will be some interaction with water as well. Uh, this is planned, so uh, it's uh, it, it's really going to allow you to leverage the powers of your characters as you interact with the environment.
3: And I, I think the um, I was talking to the, the the game designers, and they they uh, are thinking of implementing like puzzles around light as well.
2: Yes. Okay.
0: Very cool. Uh, so we we got to talk a little bit about some of the the races that are in the world and uh, kind of I guess some of the the fresh spins that you're you're putting on uh, the races. So like the the Sylvan Elves and the the Snow yes. Dwarves. Are there any other races that you can talk about now and kind of what makes yes. your version the, super the, cool?
2: <laughs> the two Halfling uh, races are unique as well uh, because we wanted really to tune them to our universe. Uh, so it's a uh, well, special bonuses they have and again the the idea was to connect them to the uh, celesta universe and also we have in the game uh subclasses so when you create uh, a paladin or a ranger or fighter at level two or three or level one for clerics you get to choose a subclass and the subclass really adds new powers for example you can have a fighter which subclass allows him to cast spells or uh, a paladin, which has uh, special powers when she she reaches level three. So there's twenty subclasses in the game, which really allowed some uh, some uh, great customization. And some of those are specifically tuned to Sulasta. Uh, so the the paladins of the the oath of uh, Tirmar, uh, which is the ancient uh, human empire, or the oath of the Motherland, with a collection of power which uh, heavily rely on lighting on verticality for some of them as well so um building our own universe was a great opportunity to add homebrew content which makes sense uh uh, for the classes and races specific to this game
0: sure absolutely um i guess i I think i know the answer to this but uh, i'm gonna go ahead and ask it anyway uh tabletop role playing is usually a multiplayer uh sort of thing is there any sort of it's split screen or so, online or anything.
2: Very cool, obviously. <laughs> but again, uh, we're a small team and, right. and doing a multiple game, it's, it's a great endeavor. And if not only for QA, for example, it, it's huge. So it's True. probably too big for us. Also, we, we're not uh, a triple A game. We're, uh, um, we'll have a, di- a different price range, uh, of course, mm-hmm. but we're still going to have a very cool single player uh, action packed uh, experience. And uh, yes, probably in the future, we'll look into that. Uh, I agree, it's very cool. But again, uh, the, the goal here is for one player to play a party of four characters and to learn how to combine them, use their special abilities. And yes, possibly in the future, we can look into uh, doing co-op and stuff like that. But uh, for the main game and probably this game, is going, we're going to stick to single player.
0: Okay. Um, I, I guess kind of going back to when we were creating the classes and having the, yes. the optimization options and stuff like that, that, that seemed really cool to me because I, and I, I don't play a lot of uh, turn-based RPGs, but I, I do love a good RPG and I can spend way too much time just creating characters. Um, but it specifically with the, these kinds of RPGs, I'm, I'm terrible at them. Um, I guess the, something like this could seem super intimidating uh, for somebody yeah. like me, who's who's not big into to tabletop RPGs, how is difficulty handled? And uh, I guess are, are there options for people that that aren't good at these kinds of games?
2: <laughs> so uh, I would say that what we've done reflects Fifth Edition rule set, which is simplicity combined with a very good measure of customization but not going into uh, power gaming, min-maxing, etc. So The game uh, gives you a number of abilities, but there are not so many stats you have to cover and understand and action modes, etc. So it's rather easy to understand what makes sense in the game. Uh, and also you're gaining these new subclasses abilities as you gain levels, so you have time to learn uh, to learn this. So I would say the game would be easier to get into than more complex RPGs. Okay. Uh, that's one point. and also in the character creation uh, itself, we really try to streamline it, to have a big images and clear text on exactly what do the ability to say, and we spend hour, countless hours optimising the, the UI, the text themselves so that it's, uh, it's easy to digest for newcomers and also lots of customization for the, the experts.
3: There's also going to be like difficult settings, so like if you're if you're having trouble, it's going to be easy for you to just go into the settings and set it to like an easier level. Uh, we, as we said, the game is for the player to enjoy. Uh, we don't want to like gatekeep people by saying if you're not that good, you're not playing our game, right? And uh, like Matthew said, it's also like five, fifth edition. Uh, when you look at the the character creation, uh, you might have been a little bit like intimidated by all the text. But truth be told, it's very hard to like screw up a character like you could in some RPG that are very very customization focused. Uh, I'm thinking, for example, Pathfinder Kingmaker, where you can go to bonus up to like plus 25 or something, uh, with like billions of different stats. Uh, 5e is much more streamlined, and that's also why it it had like a lot of success recently for new players because there's much less to remember. And even if you don't remember everything, even if you don't optimize your character to a T, he's not gonna be useless. You're still gonna be very useful because you have abilities that other characters won't have because of your class and your subclass.
1: Yeah, and just to back that up from um, the standpoint of someone who's never, (laughs) like you, Jonathan, like I've never played an RPG like I've never, you know, really gotten into anything, but you know what we did on our side is I a couple of my colleagues who I work with um you know they play D&D regularly. We took to pen and paper first for them really to like explain to me like how this is going to work and that was so helpful. And then I played myself the demo start to finish numerous times um when it was available. So and I found it really fun and like I think once I understood like the basics um it, it, it was really simple, like, you know, like Matthew said, everything is um, very simplified and, and easy to kind of, the onboarding process, I guess, is, is there for new players.
0: Gotcha. Very cool. Um, speaking of the demo, uh, I know that that was available during Kickstarter, and looking at if it's not there now, are you guys planning to bring that back out closer to, to launch for people to get a, a taste of it, or...?
2: We, you have to stay tuned. Okay. Uh, in not uh, too, too long ago, to have some cool content you can play. Okay. Do
1: you have any other questions? Uh, I think
0: that's most of my my normal questions. Uh, at the at the end of the podcast, I usually ask a series of um, more fun, you- personal questions. <laughs> Uh, yeah. that uh we, we call the end game. So usually I don't have four people to ask though, so this uh having a party of four uh is is pretty exciting. If you guys are up for it, then I would love to to ask you these questions.
1: Yeah. Go sure. ahead.
0: Okay, we'll we'll try to go real fast. The first one's simple, who's your favorite video game character? Hero, uh villain, sidekick, whatever. I, I want to take that
2: number villain, uh and probably Vass in the uh, the far cry uh mm. series.
0: Okay. I like it. So the second one is uh, very different. But if you could, if any one of you could replay a video game for the first time and get that that fresh experience all over again, what game would? Gauntlet. Okay, fantastic. A particular gauntlet or is there
2: uh, a classic? Gauntlet one, I guess. Okay. First one, arcade. Very good. With uh, the the four uh, sticks uh, uh, layout, it was uh, just amazing. <laughs>
0: Very good, very good. um what is a a blind spot that you have in the video game industry a a franchise or popular video game series that you haven't played and you feel like you should
1: oh gosh um this is gonna be a very unpopular opinion, but uh <laughs> I've never ever played fortnite,
0: <laughs> okay. Me either. Okay. So
1: that's <laughs> okay, so
0: the next question is just what is a good trend in video games that you like and would like to see more of?
3: Hmm. Oh. Uh all right. We don't have like two hours, so I'm just gonna go with um, I think video games are getting a little bit more inclusive uh overall. It it stops going just for the uh the, the you know the the public which mindset which is like oh um, my players are just going to be uh, young boys because that's usually like the, the most, you know, uh, the, the the biggest amount of people uh, that used to play video games were young uh, young adults, young boys. So now it's there. You have video games that starts to be like even mainstream video games starting to include much more options. Just like for example, Assassin's Creed uh, making you able to play like a woman, uh, or Mass Effect making you able to play a woman in, in like main uh, mainstream games.
0: Excellent. I like it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really like any main characters in Assassin's Creed until Cassandra came around, so I'm absolutely I'm with that. <laughs> and she was better than the male character. We agree on that. <laughs> so, uh, on the flip side of that, what is a bad trope, or not necessarily bad, but a, a just a trend or trope in video games that you would like to see less of? So, kind of the flip side of, of what we were just talking about. Hmm. Um,
3: if if you want I can answer that it would be a predatory microtransaction. I've I've actually worked as like a, a monetization designer uh and mm-hmm. I I that's in free to play. So awesome. I know the the reverse side of the coin and I that feel like it it's terrible. it's gone really wrong.
0: Yeah, that's I'm glad you survived that and escaped just somewhere happier and better. That sounds yes, happy awful. Place. We have cookies. <laughs> <That's Yes. laughs>
3: It, it wasn't very hard for me to actually change jobs. That's, I can imagine.
0: Uh, speaking of changing jobs, um, if you could try any other profession, um, and this, uh, this is a, a bad scenario, but you could just literally do anything. You could be an astronaut or a you know, world-traveling food taster or something like that. Uh, what, what would you like to be?
2: Mathieu is living his dream job right now, so... <laughs> actually, yes. Uh, well, I, I wanted to be a pilot when I was very young, I was passionate about planes, and then I discovered computers and video games, and, uh, well, it was all gone. So. <laughs> uh, no, I don't feel like I've missed my uh, my uh, my uh, my call, actually. It's, uh, sure. I'm really happy with what I'm doing. So I know I will never be an artist, and uh, hopefully you have great artists, very talented in the team, uh other than that i guess i'm happy with the, what i'm doing
0: fantastic all right so the the final question um who said uh vos as favorite villain i did uh, pierre okay pierre uh so so this question goes to you then you get to meet Voss, and you get to yeah. ask him one question what is your question and how does he respond <laughs>
2: I uh, will ask him back uh, what is his actual definition of insanity. He's, he's the one actually questioning the hero on that, and I would actually answer back uh, to preferably answer
3: his own twist and definition of insanity. You're quite courageous. I, I would just
0: ask if I can just go and stay alive <laughs> or something, <That's> <laughs> Can I run not get killed. Uh... Fantastic. Excellent. Okay, that, that does it. Congratulations, guys. Okay. You, uh, thank, you. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, thank you guys for, for inviting me and showing me the, the game. Uh, Thanks for a great time. time. Uh, chatting with you guys and, and watching you play. Thanks, for
2: All
0: right. This. Cheers. Okay, bye-bye. Y'all have a good one. Bye-bye.